Come, you who are blessed by my Father, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, as we get closer uh, to the end of the church year, which is now one Sunday away, we also hear biblical texts that point us to the end of our life and ultimately to the end of this world. And so today we have the gospel lesson from Matthew chapter 25. Here before Jesus' own death, he teaches his disciples about the final day, the day of judgment. The day that he will come to judge both the living and the dead. And the day he will forever separate the sheep from the goats once and for all. So today, right now, Jesus gives us a glimpse of what is going to happen on that final day. And what it will be like for all of us. Now, I'll be honest with you, uh, when I was younger, I would read this text, uh, the gospel lesson, Matthew 25, and I would be absolutely terrified by it. And it was the most unsettling text to me. And that's because this and other texts seemed to contradict the very clear teachings of the Bible that we're saved by grace through faith alone and not by works. That's what it seemed like. So to cite one example, Galatians chapter 2, uh, verse 16 says, We know that a person is, ju- is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. However... Matthew 25 seems to say the opposite. And you heard the lesson. It looks a lot like Jesus is judging people based on what they did and what they didn't do. And so he says, you know, the text, he says, well, you you visited me. You didn't visit me. uh, You fed me. You didn't feed me. You clothed me. You didn't clothe me. So on and so forth. And even more. Every single year on Holy Trinity Sunday, we recite the Athanasian Creed. And the final lines of that creed say this. At his coming, old people will rise again with their bodies and give an account concerning their own deeds. And those who have done good will enter into eternal life. And those who have done evil into eternal fire. And every year without fail, some member will come up to me and say, what's going on here? Why are we saying this? Why are we confessing this in church? Don't we believe that we're saved by grace through faith alone? In fact, uh, I noticed this while we were singing the hymn. Uh, Look at uh, verse verse 3 of that hymn we just sang, hymn 508. It says, the books are opened then to all and a record truly telling what each has done both great and small, when he on earth was dwelling. And every heart be clearly seen and all be known as they have been in thoughts and words and actions. What does that sound like? (laughs) Now, if that wasn't enough, we have numerous texts in the Bible saying the same thing. Matthew chapter 16, verse 27 says, For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, 
so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Revelation chapter 20, verse 12 says, And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. Now, while I was preparing uh, this sermon, I read a theological commentary on Matthew chapter 25, and the, uh, the author of this commentary said this. Uh, he said that this text, Matthew 25, is an embarrassment for Protestant churches, for those who believe that they are saved by grace through faith alone. Because, he says, that Matthew 25 is clearly teaching that our salvation is based on works and not on grace through faith. So, what is going on? What is happening? Are we saved by our good works? Are we saved by grace through faith and good works? Are we saved by grace through faith, faith apart from good works? What's happening? Before I go on any further, I need to make a subtle and crucial distinction here. And we need to make a distinction between salvation now and the final judgment. God saves us right now by grace through faith alone, as Ephesians 2 says. However, on that final day, God will judge us according to our works. And this is not a contradiction. I I know I sound heretical right now, but bear with me. Uh, It is not a contradiction. In order to understand how all of these texts go together, the Athanasian Creed, that hymn we just sang, all of those texts from Revelation, Corinthians, uh, and Romans, in order to understand how that goes together and goes together with the fact that we're saved by grace through faith alone, this text here today, Matthew chapter 25, teaches us very clearly what exactly is happening. All right. So I think the reason people are uncomfortable with this text is because they don't read it carefully enough. Uh, When we read Matthew 25, we're tempted to skim right through it and just assume or think we know what it's saying. So this is how people typically will read the text. Uh, It's that Jesus will come at the final day to separate the sheep and the goats. And the way that he's going to do it is that he's going to look back on their life and remember all of the things they did. And then then he's going to make a decision and say, okay, so if you did a bunch of good stuff, then you're a sheep. And you go to eternal life. Uh, But if you did a bunch of bad stuff, then you're a goat and you're going uh, and you're thrown in hell. And that's that. But that is not what the text says. This is not the order of the final judgment. Let me read through the text again carefully and pay close attention to the order and the way it's being done. So when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will place the sheep on His right, but the goats on His left, on the left. Then the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world 
for I was hungry, thirsty, a stranger, naked, sick, and so on. And you fed me, gave me drink, welcomed me, clothed me, visited me, so on and so forth. The text goes on, but this is the part I want to focus on. Did you see the order? What is the first thing that Jesus does? He separates the sheep from the goats. And then what does he say? He says, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. First of all, he says that these are blessed. And even more, they're not earning the kingdom of heaven. They are inheriting it. So you can't get an inheritance because of anything you do. You only get an inheritance based on who you are. So in order to be included, so for example, in order to be included in my will and receive all of my stuff when I die, uh, Martin and Anderson, my sons, don't have to do anything. They will get everything I have simply because of who they are. They're my sons. They belong to me. And that's why my stuff will go to them and not somebody else. Now, even more than this, Jesus goes on to say that the kingdom was prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Uh, This means that Jesus had a place for these sheep in his kingdom before the foundation of the world. That means that Jesus had a place in heaven prepared for you before you were born. Before these sheep ever took their first breath. Before they were ever conceived. So how can you earn the kingdom of heaven by your good works if Jesus already had a place for you before you were born? Now, this is the point I'm working up to. On the final day, Jesus doesn't look at the works of everyone first and then determine if they were a sheep or a goat. He does the opposite. He determined if they were a sheep or a goat first and then he recounted their works. And the judgment, the separation between the sheep and the goats happens before he talks about what they did and didn't do. And I want you to notice something very interesting now about the recounting of the deeds and the works here. This is the most important part, so pay attention. Did you notice how he spoke of the sheep and the goats? When Jesus judges the sheep according to their works, what does he have to say about, those, about the way they live their life? Well, he only had good things to say. He recounts only and all of the good works. All of the good deeds, the feeding, the clothing, the loving, and the caring for the neighbor. On the other hand, how does Jesus speak of the goats? He does judge them. How does he judge them? He judges them by only the bad things they've done. So the sheep have nothing wrong attributed to them. They didn't do anything wrong. And the goats have nothing good attributed to them. He recounts for the goats all of their failures, all of their sin, all of the times they didn't feed or clothe or help or love or care for their neighbor. So why does Jesus only see the bad things that the goats have done? It's because they are unbelievers and they didn't have faith in Jesus. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And again, Romans chapter 14.23 says, For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So if these goats did not have faith, then everything they did was sin. 
So because the, those goats, those people didn't have faith, everything they did was marred and tainted by sin. So when God looked at them and looked back on their life, he didn't find faith in Jesus and therefore he found nothing good in them. Rather, when, what he saw was that they rejected Jesus as the savior from sin. And so because of that, they were left on their own. They couldn't muster up not even one good work or one good deed. And John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus says, For apart from me, you can do nothing. That's what he's talking about. So when the Lord looked at these goats, he saw only evil, only sin, only failure, and only wickedness. But when Jesus looks at his sheep, what does he see? He doesn't see any sin. He doesn't see any failure. He doesn't see any wickedness. He sees only good. And why is that? It's not because the goats were really, really bad people and the sheep were really, really good and perfect people. No, the reason God only sees good in his sheep is because of his promises. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25 says, I, yes, I am he, the Lord, who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sin no more. Micah chapter 7, verse 19 says, He will vanquish our iniquities. He will cast them out, all of our sins, into the depths of the sea. Psalm 103, verse 12 says, He has removed our sins far from us as far as the east is from the west. And Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17 says, Their sins and their lawless acts I will remember no more. When Jesus looks at and judges his sheep, he sees only good, only good works, only good intentions, only good motivation, only good and holy things. And this is because all of their sin was forgiven. All of their mistakes are gone. All of their failures are taken away. All of their wickedness is covered by the blood of Jesus. And since he took away all of their sin, the only thing that remains is good. And this is how Jesus will judge, how he will judge his sheep through his forgiveness. And this is such a profound and beautiful comfort because you are God's sheep. And you are his people. You belong to Jesus. You are baptized into his most precious name. You hear his voice and his word and you follow him. He feeds you his most precious body and blood week after week. Jesus is your good shepherd. You are his dear sheep. And what that means is that Jesus forgives you. And that he will not remember any of your sin on that final day. So you don't have to be afraid or anxious to face God. You don't have to worry about the day of judgment because Jesus will be your judge. The same Jesus who bled out on the cross and gave his life to save you is the same one who forgives you all of your sins and is the same one who will judge you. And he will judge you according to his own righteousness. So what does this mean for you? When you stand before his throne on that final day, he won't remember one bad word that your lips ever said. Not one curse, not one moment of anger. 
Rather, he will remember only every kind, every loving thing, and every moment of patience you've had. He will not recall one moment of your greed. Rather, he will remember only your generosity and how you helped and cared for others. He will not recount one act of infidelity or fornication or adultery. Rather, he will remember only your chastity, only your faithfulness, only your loyalty, your commitment to your spouse. He will not remember one moment of self-indulgence and addiction. Rather, he will remember only your self-control and your love for others. He won't recall one day that you skipped church. He will not recall one moment that you failed to read his word. He will not recall one moment when you didn't pay attention to the gospel. Rather, he will remember only and every moment that you held his word sacred and gladly held, uh, heard and learned it. He won't recall one second of your heart devoting itself to any idol or false god. Rather, he'll remember only that you feared and loved and trusted him above all things. And when he looks at you on that final day, with the power to judge both the living and the dead for all eternity, he will look at you with love and remember only the good things that you did in faith. And never again, ever, will he see or remember any of your wicked deeds. He has forgiven them and he has forgotten them. And he has erased them from his memory forever. He will forget the sin and the guilt that plagues you and haunts you your entire life. And he will speak only well of you on that day. So, dear saints, live your life in such a way that there will be a lot for Jesus to remember and very little for him to forget. Be generous. Feed those who hunger. Clothe those who are naked. Have compassion on those who suffer. Avoid sin. Avoid dissension and strife. Avoid self-indulgence and carnal pleasure. Don't do all of these things not to earn your salvation, but because you already have it. Do these things because you belong to God and you are His. Do good works not to earn God's favor, but do them because you already have His favor in Christ. God has been pleased with you since before the foundation of the world. He has been pleased with you because Jesus took away every sin and every reason for God to be angry with you. And he covered it with his blood. God wasn't moved to save you because you were good enough or perfect for him. He was moved to save you because of his great love shed for you in Christ. So when the final day comes, don't be surprised when Jesus doesn't bring up any one of your sins. Don't be surprised when he says that you are perfect and holy and righteous in his sight. Don't be surprised when he finally gives you your place in the kingdom of heaven and a crown of life. And don't be surprised because today Jesus tells you how that final day will go for you when you stand before his throne. He tells you exactly how he will judge you. So come, you who are blessed by my Father in heaven, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Amen. 
O Jesus, whom my debt didst pay, and for my sin was smitten, within the book of life, O may my name also be written. I will not doubt, I trust in thee, from Satan thou hast made me free, and from all condemnation. Therefore, my intercessor be, and for thy blood and merit, declare my name from judgment free with all who life inherit, that I may see thee face to face with all thy saints in that blessed place which thou for us hast purchased. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.